When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, you feel alone, and sometimes you feel like the pain will never go away. I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life filled with meaning and purpose. That's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. People tell me they come here for the positivity. They listen to Widow 180, the podcast, to be inspired. They come to Widow 180 to be reminded that they have options, that the pain of loss is not a life sentence. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, and sometimes you just feel like the pain will never go away. But I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life with meaning and purpose. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. Good afternoon, Terry Ann. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jen. I'm super excited to be here. I am so excited, you guys, to have Terry Ann on today because Terry Ann has a widow coaching program called Renegade Widow. And you can find her at www.terryannmuller.com. And we will go over that again at the end of the show. But she is going to tell us how she decided to go down that path and how Renegade Widow came to be. But part of her program is also, uh, it's called The Dating Widow. So she coaches widows on how to get back out there. And I am so excited about talking to her, about getting into the adventurous world of dating. So we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Terry ann um, let's get started. First, what I normally do on the show is just to get a little bit of your history and how you became a widow. Um, so we can start with that. Let's start with um, what happened with your husband, Mark. Okay. So he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer in um, March of 2011. And it was just a short time after my mom passed away. And it was like got one cancer patient, you know, wrapped up in heaven and then another one came along. And so um, esophageal cancer is really aggressive. So we were super, you know, when you get diagnosed with cancer, you really hit the ground running and your feet barely touch the ground until the disease is over, whether they, you know, so seven months later, he did pass away. Seven months. That's it. Yeah. Was he having any kind of complaints? Like just prior to that, maybe when your mom was sick, was he yeah. starting to get sick? He actually did. He was saying, he said to me, you know, when I eat food, it rolls back up my throat. It comes back up. And it was the strangest thing. And so after a few weeks of that, 
we made an appointment with a, I think he's a gastroenterologist. Yeah. And anyway, it was a short time after that, that they did diagnose him. Oh my gosh. Okay. So he passed away. That was seven months later. So that was, um, you told me it was the day before Thanksgiving, right? Right. Okay. So with that being so close to a holiday, I know that happens a lot with people. A lot of times it's like the person passes away on their birthday or on Christmas day, or like in your case with Thanksgiving day. Um, but that you said you were able to compartmentalize that and kind of keep those two events separate so that it didn't overtake it every year. Right. Yeah. How were you able to do that? (laughs) Well, so I'm kind of a freak of nature as far as being a woman, because I think like a man (laughs) and men compartmentalize. And so I'm usually pretty good at that. And I think it comes from my career, which is training and development at a high level in, you know, 500 or fortune 500 companies. And so you learn to just compartmentalize each client and what you got to do and everything. And so I just really, um, treated it like, like that by, you know, innately, that's how I did it. And I was so relieved that he was not suffering anymore. Mm. I really couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I felt like to me, I couldn't justify having regrets around the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. That was good that you were able to do that though. I mean, it's hard for a lot of people to do that. Then they, they let it kind of overtake the holiday or overtake their birthday. And then it sticks with them in a negative way forever. Um, so you had just lost your mom and when did you lose your mom? I lost her about eight months before he passed away. Oh, so yeah, not That's long it? after. Yeah, not uh, not too long after she passed away, he was diagnosed. Yeah, so yeah, just like a month later. Mm-hmm. So this is back to back, all within a year. Yep. Oh, Terry Ann, jeez, I can't. Man, okay, so you had this chunk of your life where you're caring for the caring for other people. Because yeah. you took care of your mom. Mm-hmm. How long did you take care of your mom also? She actually, she got diagnosed with lung cancer in August and four months later passed away. Oh my God. Yeah. That was a bummer. That was awful. It, it's all awful. All of that. Back mm-hmm. to back. Oh my God, Terry Ann, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for that. Um. How, so tell me about those first few weeks and months after you lost Mark. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have this, all of, all of the compounded stress from your mom too. What did you, how did you deal with all of that stress? How did you, how did you take on all of that grief at the same time? So I'm really proud of the way I handled Thanksgiving. (laughs) And just kind of to give it, just if I can kind of go back just a little bit, um, we were going to have Thanksgiving at our house and so that Mark could enjoy it as best that he could. And then when he passed away, I said to my, one of my best friends down the, excuse me, down the street that was joining us, um, I said, I just can't, 
I can't do it here. And so she said, no worry, we'll do it at our house, blah, blah, blah. And so she pulled everything together to get ready for a big holiday that she wasn't planning. And um, we did that. And I did nothing. I drank mimosas. I rallied the troops, all the women, <laughs> to take mimosas to go and go stand in line at Michael's and buy Christmas trees for the Thanksgiving flash sale. Oh, and yeah. So we made the day fun. And then, you know, Thanksgiving ended. And all of our family went back home. It was mostly Mark's family um, that was with us. And they went back home. And then it was just my daughter and I. And you asked how I handled the stress. And I have to say I didn't. I became a mess. I was exhausted. I had adrenal fatigue. I wasn't sleeping at night. And a lot of women can relate to that because... Losing your spouse is very traumatic and especially, not especially, I mean, it can be tragic and that sudden trauma hits, or it can be a long drawn out disease and that's traumatic. It's exhausting. You, you yeah. Know. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Did you have any other widows to kind of lean on at that time? I did not. I did not. I had, um, my best friend that helped me <laughs> through Mark's illness, she was the executive director of the hospice company. And she told me later that I was kind of a little bit of a joke down there because like a week after he passed away, I called the chaplain at the hospice company and I said, all right, John, how do I get over this right now? Give me the top three things I need to do. And he's like, this doesn't work that way, you know, cause I'm still my high driving personality. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And um, so I, I, did, oh, no. I was reaching out for support quickly, but I didn't have any widows. I did join a grief share group, which was not specific to widows. Mm. It was for everybody. So that worked for a short time. It wasn't super, um, you know, resonant with me. But then I did find a widow's group and I got one-on-one -on -one therapy. And I, I, I really believe that, all of that is required. I think it's important to be able to do that and go through those experiences. So the one-on-one -on -one therapy, that was, that was a regular, you know, grief counselor. Yep. And that, that helped you as well. Just the one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, tr I'm, I'm not going to knock grief, the grief share group, but I did try that and it just wasn't the same for me because of it wasn't all widows and, um, and it's very helpful, but I, I didn't find it helpful for my situation. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. it, it works. It works for some people. Um, but you told me as part of your, your healing process too, you had, like you said, you had trouble sleeping, you had trouble eating. These are all things that we experience because we're in shock and mm -hmm. we have the loss that we're dealing with. So our bodies are all out of whack. Um, but that you were trying to piece together all of these different aspects of your life and finding help for them individually. So you sought out um, a health coach. Yeah. And that was for the, for eating and sleeping, those problems that you had or. It was for the adrenal fatigue. I was just exhausted. Yeah. You know, d during the day, I'd be exhausted. I felt like I was a zombie. And then at night, I'd be so glad to fall into bed 
but then I couldn't sleep. It's as if a disco ball went off in my head and I could, you know, I couldn't shut it down. It was literally, it didn't just feel like racing mind. It felt like, um, I don't even know, nerve damage. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here. That's above my pay grade, but it was awful. Yeah. And so I, I went to a naturopathic doctor and he helped me a little bit with the fatigue. And then I went to a health coach and she helped me. And I am a person that if there's a solution, I'm going to find it. Yeah. We almost nowadays, we have to work not to be able to learn something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about your work situation. You, um, you took some time off after you didn't go right back, back into work. Did you? No, I did not. Um, I took, you know, the holidays were upon us because he passed away just the day before Thanksgiving. And so it was, it felt natural to go ahead and take the rest of the year off, which I was very thankful and blessed that I could do that. My company worked with me really well in that regard. And then when the first of the year rolled around, my boss said, okay, what are we going to do? Now we have to make some decisions. And ironically, his wife also was ill with pancreatic cancer. So he and I were this dynamic duo that both had six spouses. And um, I just said, I can't, I can't come back to work. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm, I, I, I feel so bad for people that have, you know, a week or maybe two weeks of time off and they have to go back and perform. I don't feel like I could do that. No, I just and it was did. traveling a lot of traveling around the, the country, not the world, the country and lots of high pressure, high executive meetings, super stressful. Yes. And how can you focus on that? Yeah, exactly. There's no way that you can be a top performer. You know, I, I was talking to some, uh, another in my one of my other interviews about the bereavement leave that some of these places have and how ridiculous it's like three days five days who made up that rule (laughs) how do do we change that as a society how can we change that yeah they've never had probably an astronomical loss is my guess yeah Um, so when did you decide on a career change? So it took a while. Um, I, when I didn't go back there, I took a, I don't know, I can't honestly can't remember six months or so off. And then I went to work for a company selling security guard services Mm. because I've sold my entire career, but it was corporate training and development. I figure you can sell anything. And so I did, but I didn't love it. What I found, and I think a lot of the listeners will will agree with, is all of a sudden things that felt important or they didn't really fulfill you, but it still was okay. That's not going to always be true anymore. And I didn't want to work for that high pressure company that I initially worked for. And then selling security guard service wasn't really working for me. Then I became a consultant for my previous company on a smaller local level. So I didn't have to travel. And I just kind of moved around quite a little bit. And it kind of culminated when I went to India with my church on a mission. 
And I got back and I just said, God, you cannot have given me all of the exper these experiences without letting me use them in some way to help someone else. And so literally from my mouth to God's ears to Facebook, <laughs> I got on Facebook a little later and there was this coaching course and I took it and I took another one. And anyway, the rest is history. Okay. We need to expand on that a little bit. <laughs> Tell us about this India trip. Oh, it was a group of just six women. Oh. I was so surprised. I thought it would be a big group of people from, we went to a big church. Yeah. But it was just six women. And I found out later, it's kind of the hardest mission you can go on. It's pretty, it's pretty hard. It's, it's, we were in a pretty uh, poverty stricken nation. Uh, not all of India is like that, but where we were, it was. What part of India did you go to? It was the Southern part of India. Um, Vijiwada is one of the cities and about four, about a four hour drive from New Delhi. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it was intense. And you were there for a couple of weeks or? Just 10, just 10 days. Oh, 10 days. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we went around and dedicated freshwater wells and it, we worked with the people and ate lunch with them and, you know, got to meet them and pray with them. It was really, really, really cool. Oh, how cool. Yeah. And eye-opening. And eye-opening. And then you come back and you're like, what am I doing now? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is important, right? Yeah. In life and what is important to me and what do I want to do to contribute and exactly. serve others in whatever way I can. Oh, yeah. Yep. So this coaching program, the, the first one that you found was um what what type of coach it was just a, it was a life coaching program or no it was um i actually had gone to get a, a holistic health coaching certification after mark died and then i coupled that with this other program that i took that i came across that day i was just like seriously god what am i supposed to do because none of this is really working out yeah love anything I was doing. And, um, it was more about the marketing aspect of the business, which is hugely important. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that coaching program was about a six month program or it was 16 weeks. Oh, okay. Super intense. Lots to learn. Okay. It was really intense. And then my career has been in corporate training and development with soft skills, not necessarily, you know, hard skills of learning how to run a computer, but more about your soft skills, leadership, customer service, communication skills. And so it felt like a really natural fit to do what I'm doing as a, as a coach for widowed women. Cause that's what I've done. My whole career has helped people to be better to, yes. to their life more. Okay. So you offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. Mm -hmm. Okay. Limited. I'm really, I'm really limited. I only take on a handful of one-to-one -one clients. Okay. What is, uh, and tell us the name of your website. I just want to, um, um say that again. Yeah. Sure. It's terryannmuller.com. And so, it's a long name. It's spelled T as in Tom, E-R-R-I-A-N-N-M-U-L-L-E-R.com. 
Okay. But we can also find you on Instagram. Yep. Renegade Widow. Renegade Widow. Okay. Facebook, I do have a a pretty good size private Facebook group that is 100% only for widowed women. Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about, excuse me, um, the dating part of your coaching business. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to ask about your own dating experience. Okay. So you went on match.com. Is that right? I did. I went from not even ever thinking about it at all to, you know what? I'm going to give this a try all on one Sunday afternoon with a glass of wine by myself. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what it takes sometimes. A little liquid courage. A little liquid courage. Um, So when was that? Um, How long? 18 months out. 18 months. Okay. Yep. So I spent the entire time getting myself better and ready, not knowing that's what I was getting ready for, but yeah. Yes. And so you... Like, what kind of made you feel like you were ready, though? I would like to invite you to get our latest freebie designed just for you. How to get your life back together after loss. A 10-step checklist. After countless hours of research, interviewing hundreds of widows, and through my own experience with grief, I have compiled this list of the 10 steps you need to take to put your life back together after losing a loved one. It's normal to feel overwhelmed and also normal to not know where to start when it comes to picking up the pieces of your shattered world. Here's where you start. You can get this free 10-step checklist at www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. I, I think that this is something, again, that the audience will resonate with is that I knew I couldn't keep depending on my married girlfriends to entertain me. <laughs> you know, they still had their husband. They had a life. And the only thing I was doing was, you know, an art show here and there with a girlfriend or we took a girlfriend's trip or this or that or happy hour or church. My One of my girlfriends and I just went to church together. But I knew at some point I couldn't keep leaning on everybody else to be my entertainment committee. Yeah. (laughs) And so I had to take um, responsibility and I decided that I wanted some companionship. And I, I emphasize that word decided because a lot, a lot of women, widowed women don't realize they have the power to decide. Yeah. Whatever it is, they can decide. That is true. So how long were you on match.com before you met Mike? I don't know if I told you this when we chatted earlier, but Mike was my very first match date. <gasps> he was my very he first. Was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how lucky. I know my, <laughs> my grief counselor, we've become really good buddies. We're friends now. And she says, God just felt like you were due for a break. Wow. So yeah, lucky. So, I mean, 
I did keep dating, obviously. I, w I didn't say, oh my gosh, this is the man I'm going to marry within five minutes. We kept dating other people, him longer than me, because I knew I liked him. I, I didn't really have a big interest. But um, so I have lots of dating experiences that I'm able to draw upon. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you don't want in a person, yeah, right? Yeah. Correct. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so now, so that's been... Goodness, it's been a while. Right? Yeah, and I okay. just celebrated our eight-year anniversary. Wow! Of our first date. Oh, yeah. how fun! And we really, really like each other, and that's something that I really want women to understand: is their life didn't go to the grave with their husband. Yeah, I know. It takes time to get there. I know it. It did me for you know for me too. But yeah, I know. It feels like the end, but it doesn't have to be. Right. Like you said, everything is a choice. <clears throat> so as part of your uh, dating program, when you talk to widows about dating in today's world um, and the difference between what it used to be and then what it is now, a lot of it is online dating, like the match.com and the apps. Mm -hmm. Um can you give our listeners some tips on what to put in their profile or, you know, what information to give away and what to not put out there? I, so in the dating widow, it's an eight week group coaching course. Um, one of the big things I emphasize is you don't have to tell everybody what's going on in your entire life. Like, you know, you don't have to say, oh my gosh, my husband died of esophageal cancer. Or um, the other thing is not to tell the world or this dating um, site what you want in a man, because it's easy for them to say, oh yeah, I love dogs. If you're a dog breeder, you know, <laughs> yeah, you don't tell them exactly what you want. You really present yourself in a way that's going to attract the right people. So I don't know if I'm being clear, but you, I don't believe you should say everything on your profile. I think you give them high level, just like Instagram. It's a high, you know, it's the highlight reel of someone's life. And that's basically what you do on a profile. Yeah. A lot of people do put that though. They'll put, I'm looking for mm -hmm. a person who loves to read and I'm looking for uh -huh. someone who loves to hike and da, 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 da. You know, yeah. So don't put that. Yeah. And I think to have a natural match, you shouldn't put those things on there. I think it should happen naturally. And yeah. that you really do know that it, you're a good fit. It's just not trying to, of course, we're going to adapt and we're going to try new things that the other person likes, but let that kind of happen naturally so that it's legit. Yes. That way somebody's not trying to act like something that they're not anyway and trying to just exactly. be with you for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did, when did you take off your ring? Was that when you decided you were going to date? Was it that same glass of wine that you were like, I'm going to, I'm taking this ring off now. I don't remember. I don't, it wasn't then. I think it was, a, I was just about a year. Um, you know, just getting close to that. I honestly don't remember, but somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I feel like it was about a year. Okay. 
I always ask just because that's a, a question that comes up quite a bit. Yeah, it's a big decision. And I remember that actually came up in grief share because there were, I guess there was a couple of widows in there, but um, it's a big thing. Yeah, it is. It can be. Um, so I wanted to ask you just a few questions that I got from some of the listeners when I said that I was going to be interviewing you, um, started having some questions come in about, about dating and some advice. So here is the first one, um, a listener question. Uh, and actually, so it's not a listener question. This was just a listener topic, but what do you tell widows when they say they feel guilty about dating? First of all, it is so normal. It is something that every woman I've worked with and every woman that is in my group, and I say every, it is so prevalent. Um, because I remember the first time I laughed out loud, and I'm sure it was Thanksgiving Day with mimosas, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, my husband's dead and I'm laughing. Like, this is not good and so we catch ourselves and there's those fits and starts in our mind and our emotions but I always go back to what would your husband want for you mm-hmm. um, you know a lot of times we project that people are putting pressure on us like oh my in-laws don't want me to date or they don't want me to this or they don't want me to do that but I think we're more projecting as so we need to look inside of ourselves and see what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And then if people are judging you and that causes you to feel guilty, and I don't know how you feel about cussing, but I say literally give zero shits. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I actually had to work through this yesterday. I'm little miss life coach here. And had to, I heard something that someone said about me and I thought, Oh, I'm going to call her. And then I thought, I couldn't care less. No, I know. I know. What people think about us is none of our business. So it all boils down to that guilt. Back to your original question is just seeing things at face value. What's true? What really is true and black and white? And what are you perceiving? Yes. Sometimes it's difficult to separate all of that out. And that's where I found huge benefit in having my own coach. Yes, it is. It's hard to, to distinguish all of it. Yes. Oh my gosh. So true. Um, all right. Another question. Where can people meet now if they don't want to do the online dating thing? It scares a lot of people. And I had, it was a couple of questions. Um, and you know, now, right now is just a weird time anyway, but, um, what are some suggestions that you might have if, if they just don't want to deal with the online dating thing? Um, I would suggest thinking about what you like doing, whether it's, um, 
you know, join a, a, a running club or a book club, or um, I always, I have part of, in my dating widow program, I talk about the 5k because that's when you kind of know you're ready. You're like, Oh, I'm going to do a 5k. And you know, but really is just getting involved in things that you enjoy doing that other people are involved in. So whether it's volunteering or group, um, or excuse me, church socials, different events at the church. And, you know, if you're a Christian or doesn't matter what religion you are, but if you want to meet someone with that same faith, go to church events. Yeah. Um, getting out, be friendly. And you know, it's extra, it's hard now with everybody wearing masks. So I like, I, I don't know why, but I'm self-appointed. It's my job to make, you know, if I go out, I really want to be kind to people and say nice things, but it's hard with the mask on. So I smile really big. So they know I'm smiling and, but you know, be friendly. Zig Ziglar, who I had the pleasure of working with in my career which was amazing but he wow one of i know he was so amazing but one of his quotes was if you're happy tell your face oh yeah and so be friendly and you attract people are attracted to that kind of kindness and happiness yes and so so funny you know people talk about meeting somebody in the grocery store or mm -hmm. they're just they're at the farmer's market or whatever and you see you have a mask on. How, how do you, <laughs> I know. Oh, it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating. You know, I think to that point, people are getting more used to it. And so they're rising above it before I hated going out in public because everybody was so closed off, but yeah. it's because it was so new. I think it's becoming more normal now. Yeah. And I don't want to get any backlash from the listeners, but I don't always wear my mask. <laughs> Well, if it's, if it's an outside event or, you know, they started doing, um, right up by my house, I have, there's a park right by my house and they did start doing like outdoor yoga mm -hmm. and they don't, everybody's well spread apart so that there's no close contact and they don't wear masks for that. So there are certain things, certain events and things that you can find now that are outside where you don't have to wear a mask and that are like you said, doing things that you love, do something that you love. And then that's going to bring out the best in you. And when you put that out there, that's what you're going to attract. So yeah, there are options. They're opening up now again. Thank goodness. Cause I'm, I'm over it. Oh, <laughs> I'm so over it. Um, okay. Next question. Um, what do you, what would you tell someone if they, um, if they say something along the lines of, I am too old to do this all over again. So I think that first of all, everybody needs love. There's going to be somebody out there that's a good fit for them. If they can open their mind to putting themselves out there. Um, everybody needs love. Yes. And I believe that age is just a number. So in The Dating Widow, we talk about that. And we talk about, you know, again, it all starts in your mind and what you're putting out there. And I would say, don't let that be a deterrent. If you're 70 years old and you still want to have a companion, there is somebody out there for you. Yes. 
It's I all, really, it's, really, really believe that. It's all in your attitude and you just have to have that, that in your mind that, um, you know, age is just a number. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I have one final question or listener uh, topic. Um, so she wrote in and said that she said, every time I meet a man, they don't give me a chance. As soon as they know I have seven children, they run. I have been ghosted in every single dating app, spent money on dating programs, but I'm starting to hate men. And that's not a good feeling. And I know I'm getting older. She's 51. Uh, I know I'm getting older. Uh, has my love life ended with my late husband? And that's it, really? I don't know what to think about men anymore. So she is very discouraged. It sounds like she's put herself out there. She's trying. Um, but what, what could you tell her? So a couple of things. It's kind of a two-pronged answer. And one is going back to what you put in your dating profile, there's absolutely no reason that somebody needs to know you have seven kids in your dating profile. Um, you're not hiding anything. You're not, you know, you're not putting a picture that was you back in college. Yeah. And now you're 51. You just don't need to tell me have seven kids. It's not necessary. And, and, and she says they're grown. So I feel like once you meet someone and if that conversation comes up, it would be more natural. And if she is really putting herself out there in a good way, because some people are still really uh, full of toxic, negative, limiting beliefs. Does that make sense? And so, um, you don't have to put everything in your profile. Let's do the highlight reel. Let's reel them in and have a conversation and let them get to know you so that you can share. Yeah, I have seven kids, but they're all grown. They don't live with me or whatever. Yeah. The other thing is, um, I almost forgot. The other thing is, I really think that we attract what we believe we deserve and so that's getting a little metaphysical, but our, you know, we are made up of energy. <laughs> I'm not a bit, I'm not an energy healer by any means, but I think what we put out there and what we think we deserve is what we get. Yes. And so my suggestion would be to spend some time getting to know yourself and what do you deserve? Look at your past relationships. We teach people how to treat us. So if we let someone walk on us, or treat us poorly, that's what they know they can get away with. And human nature says, well, this is cool. I'm going to do that. And so when you begin to raise your self-esteem and you see your own value, I think you really begin to attract a different group of people. I'd love to work with someone like her. And do you think too, like when people... They keep going on dates after date, after date, after date. They just get worn down. So maybe by the 10th week in a row of trying to go out on a date, you're just exhausted and you just go to the restaurant and you sit there and you just are tired. <laughs> you're like, I'm doing this again, really, yeah. you know? So, I mean, 
I guess it wouldn't hurt to take a break from it for a while, right? Like just step away from it for a bit. Absolutely. Step away. Maybe. Do a little work on yourself and see, go have some fun. I was listening to a Marie Forleo um, podcast today and she was talking about fun and how, and she's certainly not a widowed woman. So there's that other element, but I don't care who you are, if you're widowed or not, fun is a good thing. It makes it healthier. Yeah. So yes. So to your point, get off of the dating websites, take a step back, regroup, maybe rework your profile. um, And then you're, you know, your fresh inventory for the dating apps. Yeah. Because there's a big turnover. There's a lot of people on those apps. Yes. I definitely uh, think that if you're, if you're, if you're in it for a while and it's not working, yeah, take a break. Give yeah. yourself a little mental break. I agree. <laughs> okay. Oh, I had um, a couple of other questions. Okay, two more questions. Um, if you could give just one piece of dating advice, like the most important thing that people can take away, the one piece of dating advice, what would that be? Can I do two? Two, please. Yes. (laughs) So the first one would be just go for it. Awesome. Go for it. You have nothing to lose. That said, (laughs) be safe. You know, you meet people in public areas. You don't walk down dark alleys. You know, you be aware of your surroundings. When you leave a date, kind of keep an eye on who's, I, I don't, I don't know. I maybe I watch too much TV, but you know, make sure someone's not following you home or just being self-aware and externally aware is really important to be safe. And the other thing is, um, when you start dating someone, don't go home and go to bed with them the first or second date. Oh oh my gosh. Take your time. It's so fun. I mean, I don't care if you're 13 years old or you're 70 years old, your little girl heart inside of you is going to love that courtship and those special early times of giggling and getting to know each other and being a little bit mysterious. Don't rush that. No, I just, I have a good friend that she's been single a long time and she is all about going out for an expensive dinner, drinking too much and going home and having sex with somebody. And I said, there's a reason you're still single. (laughs) Everybody wants a little nookie, but they don't want that for a potential partner. Yeah. And there's no rush. And quite frankly, there's nothing you can't handle on your own if you're that yeah. Interested in getting <laughs> some activity. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Just take your time. Face yourself. Oh, that's good advice. I like it. Yep. I agree. Um, all right. So one other question, though. My other question has nothing to do with um, any, any business or coaching. This is a question for you. When people look you in the eyes, what do you hope they see? I hope that they see that I genuinely care about them, that I hope they see love coming back, Um, kindness. I love to help people. 
and I hope that they see that I'm not in this just for the money. Of course, I want to make a living, but it's really to see change in life and, and to change the world one woman at a time. So I hope yeah. they see that I'm genuine. I think they see that. Yes, we can with see that. Me, I'm, there's not any pretense with me. Right. Um, okay. This is such good advice and nuggets to take with us today. Um, I hope you guys, I hope listeners, you are writing things down. Um, Terry Ann, this has been so insightful and helpful to so many listeners. And I love that you're doing what you love now. Yeah. You know, that genuineness that, that comes across, you went from this high stress, high level executive, crazy fast track. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, Nope, that's not important to me. You know? (laughs) So when you talk about the genuineness, yeah, it, it, it is because that's what you're doing now. Um, so that I hope, I hope that people can see that too, when that, you're doing what you love to do now and that not, you you don't have to stay stuck in a job that is not fulfilling. Um, and that's, what's inspiring to other people when they hear this. Yeah. 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 You you get to a point where those things aren't as important or don't aren't as fulfilling as they once were. Yeah. And so life is too short and do what you love and thank you, Terry Ann, for sharing your story with us today and taking us on that, on your path that you've been on the last few years. It's all really exciting and I love what you're doing and it's so helpful to so many people. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. All I've right. really enjoyed this. It, it, it lights me up. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and I'm going to talk to you soon. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Here are the takeaways from Terry Ann. Number one, Terry Ann lost her mom to cancer, then eight months later lost her husband Mark to esophageal cancer on the day before Thanksgiving. Number two, Terry Ann was able to compartmentalize the loss of Mark the day before Thanksgiving and not let the loss carry on over into ruining her holiday for the future. Number three, Terry Ann went to a health coach and a naturopathic doctor to help with the physical effects grief was having on her body, like lack of sleep and exhaustion that we all feel. Number four, things that were okay for her before, like a career that was okay but not really fulfilling, they just weren't going to cut it anymore for her. She wanted more and she knew she had to make some changes. Number five, she went on a mission trip with six other women to India and it changed her life forever. Number six, 18 months after Mark passed away, Terry Ann decided that she might be ready to date again. And so she signed up on Match.com. Her very first match was Mike, and they have been together now for eight years. Number seven, the Dating Widow is an eight-week dating coaching program that Terry Ann offers to help widows get back out there. And you can find more information on that at www.thedatingwidow.com. Number eight, some dating advice from Terry Ann. First, you don't have to tell them everything up front. You can keep some things to yourself. And don't tell them what you want in a person on your profile and what you're looking for. Just stick with information about you to attract people. 
Number nine, when it comes to guilt, we feel, whether it's because we're laughing or we think we want to date again, Terrian always comes back to this question. What would your husband want for you? Number 10, two most important pieces of dating advice from Terrian. Number one, go for it. You have nothing to lose, but be safe. And number two, don't go home with a guy on the very first date or even the second date. Just don't do it. Take your time, enjoy the courtship, and don't rush it. And don't forget where you can find Terry Ann at www.terryannmuller.com. That's www.terriannmuller.com. Or you can go to Instagram. She's at Renegade Widow Coach. And you can sign up to be a part of her Dating Widow program, and that's at www.thedatingwidow.com. And I want to thank all of you listeners because we had a really exciting week last week, and we are at almost 11,000 downloads this month, and that just blows my mind, you guys. It's so validating to me because obviously... This podcast is something that I'm so, so passionate about, and I'm excited to have all of you right here with me on this journey because it's been so much fun. I love hearing from you guys, so please leave a review and a rating for the podcast. And I just got an email from Carol this last week, and she says, I just found your podcast, and I'm loving listening to it. Very interesting and helpful. Thanks for doing what you do. And thank you, Carol, for all of your support. So that's it for me for this week, you guys. I'll see you next week or in our free Facebook group. And that's at Widow 180 Community. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Widow 180, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you're seeking daily inspiration and guidance, you can follow me on Facebook at Widow 180, the community, on YouTube at Widow 180, the channel, and on Instagram at Widow 180. If you're interested in more grief and widowhood resources, including our latest freebie, How to Get Your Life Back Together After Loss, a 10-step checklist. Head over to www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie.